0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I
1: want to remind you before we get started, that TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and returning to the show is Kalen Kaler. And this time, Kalen, we're not just messing around and talking about quarterbacks or midseason awards or the goofy things that we do when I bring you on the show. This (laughs) time... We have got some Vikings-related reporting that you have done, and actually tremendous reporting. Kalen writes for Defector, formerly MMQB, Bleacher Report, everything that's famous. And uh, you have done an article called Just How Big of a Problem is Nepotism in NFL Coaching? And I'm sure as I read that, everyone goes, oh, <laughs> because of the Vikings situation. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth as we start here, is I had not really thought about this all that much in mm-hmm. in the NFL in general it's just kind of a facts of life sort of thing mm-hmm. uh everyone's kid gets uh, to coach a team and that's just how it is but your reporting really adds such great depth to it so I want to ask you where you'd like to start with this issue as it relates to the Minnesota Vikings because you you wrote such a great piece in depth um do you want to start with the second paragraph possibly as it relates sure. to the Vikings
0: and I'll I'll start with um I can't remember like when in the reporting process, I decided I was going to go hard on the Vikings and like get, you know, do some real reporting on the Vikings. I, I don't, I can't remember when it was. I think at some point, cause I started off by just going through every NFL coaching staff because like these stats don't exist anywhere. Um, really? Like the NFL has a diversity report and they, they had, a, they kind of had a stat in 2020 about this, but it seemed really low to me. Like, I think their number was like 63 coaches are related. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I don't know what their criteria was. I do not know what they were counting as a coach. Cause like, you know how many titles there are in staffs, like an NFL staff can be from like 20 to 35 people, just to, depending on, you know, what organization you're at. There's a wide range of, you know, how many people are actually on a staff for coaching. And there's all these weird titles, like, coaching analysts or sometimes coaches coach, you know, assistant, you know, quality control, all of that I would consider to be coaches. So, um, I did like all my own stats. So it took me like a straight week of just like, my eyes were like bleeding from like looking at, um, coaching staff websites. I mean, it was horrible. And I actually have a whole document of notes. Like maybe I'll make this into, you know, what we would call a blog someday of just weird details and people's bios and like weird things that I was picking up on as I kept like, scanning these bios. So anyways, you know, right away I knew the Vikings were going to be one of the teams I talked about because even, you know, last year was even worse when Gary Kubiak was on the staff, obviously, because you had, you had two Kubiaks, you had two Zimmers, and you had two Pattersons. Um, and so they they had three father-son combos and this year the team with the most was the Raiders who had four so the Vikings last year would have been like at the top of father-son combos. so I knew the Vikings were going to be like playing into this in some way but I think at some point like once I had all my like data I have like a spreadsheet of like every coach Um, and it's funny because like I'm realizing today like I I missed some (laughs) like somebody texted me and was like wait did you have Kevin Gilbride Jr and I'm like no, he's a Panthers, like defensive analyst. And I was like, Oh, shit, no, I like didn't get him. So now there's 112, not 111. So it's just adding up. Um, anyway, so I was like, okay, the Vikings going to be part of this. And, um, at some point I started reporting, just like reaching out to people and somebody mentioned like little Zim quote, quote, little Zim, Adam Zimmer. And I was like, okay, let me like dig into this a little bit more. So then I started like actually trying to report with, you know, sources around the Vikings that I know, um, you know, people, a a former player who's quoted in the story. So that's kind of where it, where the Vikings like played in. Cause I was like, okay, you know, promoting, um, like if he had promoted Adam Zimmer, like an only Adam Zimmer, maybe it wouldn't be like as egregious, but the fact that you promoted him alongside like a man who is twice his age and literally twice as experienced as him. And then I'm talking to a former player who was like, yeah, that didn't go over well with us. You know, he's like, we were all like, what? And, you know, and and so that to me, is like why it really stands out. I mean, there are plenty of other examples of a coach promoting their, you know, child to be a coordinator, um but nothing really in the current league right now as it is like nothing stood out to me the way that that Mike and Adam did because of the weird and first of all what is a co-defensive coordinator like no one else does that like Miami has two offensive coordinators which is also really weird and like has their offense been good no like you know so I don't know that having two coordinators is ever a good idea I don't really know what it means like what, at one point when I was reporting this story, some one of the uh, one of the sources like close to the team that I interviewed was like, literally, what does that mean?" He was like, "I have no idea what that. He's like, when that happened, we were all like, what? Like, and obviously, you know, the defensive coordinator of the Vikings is not really even a defensive coordinator because Mike Zimmer is the defensive coordinator. So I mean, you're really just promoting your son for uh, you know for it to look good on his resume and also to pay him more money. So the whole thing is just really strange to me. And so that's why I decided to be like, okay, let me see how this impacts the team. And I think that's why it's such an important anecdote is because, you know, we hear from the player who's like, yeah, we saw right through that. And then we hear from two sources near the organization who both say we noticed, essentially, like we noticed. And, you know, he's like attached to his dad's hip. One of them told me he's like attached to his hip, which you could we can see that as reporters if you watch the sideline and you can see a little bit, I haven't seen any Vikings practice recently, obviously you, you know, you're able to see a little bit of it. And at training camp, you can see a lot of it. Um, So you're able to see that way more than I've been able to see that. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it, um, is interesting, like how it can affect morale on a staff, like, and that's kind of what I tweeted today is like, the point of this is like, you know, one, like, let's look at this as a barrier Uh, to increasing diversity hiring, because it is one of many barriers that exist right now with an NFL hiring. And then two, it's not like it doesn't affect people. Like if you're like with with Shanahan and McVeigh, you know, they right now they're not on the same team as any relatives. And like they've, I think they've proven like they um, should be where they are. So I don't think it's a problem with them specifically, but like when you have someone who's promoted, who was a surprise. And then that really trickles down to the rest of your staff where they're thinking, you know, what am I, what am I even doing? What am I working for when like, I don't know, you know, so it's just interesting to see how that affects, um, affects your staff and, and how players really can pick up on that too. It's not like, it's not like it's meaningless.
1: Okay, I'm dying to read this quote. Uh, (laughs) The second paragraph of your um, article, here's the quote from a uh, person close with the team. No effing reason Adam should be a DC. Nobody disliked him, but nobody ever thought that he would be the coordinator. Let's put it that way. And in comparison to Andre Patterson, as you said, Patterson had a very robust resume as a defensive Mm -hmm. line coach and had uh, been credited by the entire organization for a lot of success stories and development success stories along the way and had been a right-hand man to Mike Zimmer for a very long time. They've known each other going all the way back to Dallas, I believe. And Mm -hmm. for them to be promoted at the same time, when you compare their resumes, a linebackers coach versus a defensive line coach is there is a difference there. And being a direct person who advises Mike Zimmer as Andre Patterson does versus Adam Zimmer in his role, it did feel to us like, okay, wow. And defensive coordinators, co-defensive coordinators, I've never heard of it before. Um, so, but I think to your, to your point that a lot of people with the team, and there's more quotes like this throughout, including from a former player, that the um, admiration for Andre Patterson is extreme mm-hmm. with the players, especially. And you saw that even this year, um, uh, Sheldon Richardson returned. Everson Griffin returned. Stephen Weatherly returned. You know, none of these have really worked out. But these are players who had left and then come back to play with Andre Patterson specifically because of their appreciation for him. They're not the only ones. Shamar Stefan did. Tom Johnson did. They went, I mean, that's five guys right off the top of my head. Even uh, well, I guess a Fadia Adenabo would have gone away and signed with another team and then came back. So that's six mm-hmm. players right there who came back after leaving to play with Andre Patterson, which I think says a lot about him. And in comparison, now Kendrickson Barr are great players. There's no doubt about it, but they're also top draft picks and, you know, so forth in a devalued position in comparison. And like you said, the experience is just completely different between these two. And you're right that people notice everything that when a coach says something in a post game interview, like say dunks on Kellen Mond for no reason whatsoever, (laughs) it's not lost on everybody. And this is Mm -hmm. something that I think Mike Zimmer has never quite really realized is that, people notice this stuff and I want to talk about the other side of this too on the offensive part with Clint Kubiak Mm -hmm. that Mike Zimmer has spent the entire year slamming Clint Kubiak not so subtly including after the game with the Packers but you kind of made your own fate with in a win now type of season hiring someone that didn't have experience seemingly because they had so much respect for Gary Kubiak which is understandable. Great career, NFL player, one of the right. legends of offensive football. But just because the last name is the same doesn't mean the play calls are going to be as good.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just, I mean, the Vikings are such a good example of this. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating. And like like the the end of the story, when I get into Gary Kubiak and, and Clint Kubiak and that situation this year, Um, you know, there was a source who said Gary's still involved. Um, and to my understanding, it's, it's pretty involved. Now the Vikings did not comment obviously. And when I asked Gary in particular, when I, you know, brought this to him and said, Hey, like, you know, as a dad, like, I'm sure it's pretty hard to (laughs) step back and like, let your son like assume the role that you had last year. Um, you know, how involved are you? And he said that he watches, he was like, I don't even watch the games. I watch the film. I was like, Okay. Um, so he's watching the film. And so then I'm like, okay, well, where are you getting the film? Like, you know, coaches, a lot of coaches will have guys around the league, like send them stuff. So I was trying to find out where he was getting it from. And he like really just politically talked around the answer. I asked literally like four times. I'm like, do you get it from Clint? He said, no. I said, do you get it from the team? He said, no. Um, he just said, I get it the best way I can. (laughs) is a really strange answer. Um, so you know, he just was very political about it, which you know, totally. That's fine. and respect mm. that. Um, the
1: metaverse. I think he got it from the metaverse. Yeah, the, the so, tape came from.
0: So, uh, you know, from my understanding, and you know, this, from my understanding, he's pretty involved, and it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I heard last year he was giving Clint more and more responsibility. Um, trying to sort of like prep him for the upcoming job. And then, you know, uh, Gary told me that Rick and Mike did not ask him about Clint uh, when they were uh, doing the offensive coordinator hiring process last year, uh, which I think is interesting. But, you know, I guess maybe they didn't need to because he'd already been on the staff and like they'd seen whatever they needed to see. So maybe that's true after all. Um, But yeah, I mean it's just, it's fascinating. And, and and I think that anecdote is like, and that's why I put it in there uh, at the end is because it shows you there's, I think there's 64 coaches right now who are sons of a, a current or former NFL coach. And so the Clint Gary anecdote, um, if it's true that, which I heard from, you know, multiple people that, that Gary is still very involved. Um, if that's the case, that is the benefit that you have. If you are the son of a former NFL coach, like you know, if, if somebody else is promoted to offensive coordinator and they're not quite ready, I mean, what are they going to do? Like they, your average non-related coach is probably not going to have someone who is going through the tape, um, you know, who is like watching the film and, and giving comments on a regular basis, uh, you know, who's not on staff. And I, and I think that's the really interesting part. And that's what I don't fully understand is like, I know he wanted to retire and I I asked him this question and I can't remember what he said. I think he was like, Oh, I was already a senior offensive advisor, like the first year that he was in Minnesota. So he's like, I know what that's like. And that was really nice. But now I just really wanted to step away. So, you know, take that for whatever it means. But um, that's what I don't understand is it's like, okay, you know, if you're going to be involved, just have some kind of like consultant title instead of being this sort of like shadow OC figure for, for your son. But I think that goes back to who gets the credit, you know, wanting Clint to get the credit. Um, yeah. And it's just unfair. And I think the other point is when you read this, it's unfair to these sons in a way, I don't know why they want to work for their fathers. When you think about it, like go make your name somewhere else. Like, you can work. And that happens a lot too, is, you know, they'll call in favors with somebody who works for another team. Like, Hey, can you hire my son over here? Because I think some guys in the league actually recognize that it's, it might harm their career if they're working for you, because they're never going to get the credit. They're never going to be seen as their own person. It's always going to be, Oh, that's Gary's son. Oh, that's, you know, that's Mike's son. That's why he got the job. Right. And so like, even if Adam Zimmer, Adam Zimmer, I'm not in the position room. He could be a really smart linebackers coach. It's not, you know, that's not what I have heard, but I'm not in the room. It's very possible that he could be a very smart linebackers coach who has really helped. You know, I didn't talk to Anthony Barr or Eric Kendricks. He might've really helped them. I don't know. You know, like the Vikings didn't make anyone available to me. So I wasn't able to interview any of those current linebackers. He could be a good position coach. Um, but we're always going to question it because he's on the same team as his dad. And like somebody, the team executive I interviewed for the story, um, you know, brought up the question of like, well, you know, would anyone else hire him as a defensive coordinator? And I was like, I don't, how do I find out, you know, like, how do you report that? You can't really report that because I'm not going to just go call up, you know, other general managers and be like, or owners and be like, Hey, if you had a defensive coordinator opening, like, are you interested in Adam Zimmer? Like, They would probably be like, I'm not like super familiar or maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but it's not like they've like studied him enough to prepare for, to answer that question. So it's kind of like, how do you report that? That's like so subjective. It's like impossible to report. But I think when you're on the same team as your father, like you will always face that. And that's why I just don't understand why these guys do that.
1: Hey everybody, Minnesota football is in full swing and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it. If you can find better prices on the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference now we've had lots of exciting games at us bank stadium this year there are still more to go and always interesting when chicago comes to town so you're going to want to go to tickpick.com and check it out and make sure it's tickpick.com tickpick.com slash insider because you can save ten dollars on your first order for minnesota tickets that's tickpick.com
0: Yeah,
1: I I totally agree. Uh, I was the coach's kid in little league at one time, but um, yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if that's all that comparable. Right, um, but um,
0: you no, know, like half I, the little league teams. Yeah, so. right.
1: <laughs> I, I think that a dad <laughs> that really has to great. actually coach yeah. in that situation. But um, my dealings with Adam Zimmer over the years have been very positive. Um, and you know, listening to his press conferences each week, I don't doubt his football acumen that he knows football yeah. very well. And I I think he's handled the position quite well. But um, just from a coming out there every week and talking about the team and talking about the players and things like that, the overall defensive performance has been putrid over the last two years since this happened. So, I mean, how much that connects to him being a co defensive coordinator, I don't know, because we all assumed that it was just Mike Zimmer's defense anyway. And what difference does it make? Mm -hmm. Um, that it wouldn't have been different if George Edwards had just stayed and they would have probably the same defense. Maybe I'm wrong i mean george edwards was a very accomplished defensive mind he just was not really into talking with the media and things like that so we never really understood fully like how he was doing his job uh, as much as i think we do with adam zimmer but i think that you know the point would be that they've really failed on offense and defense this year with a co-defensive coordinator who is a coach's son that was not qualified and and as far as i've heard has never interviewed for a defensive coordinator job anywhere else oh, um so. and an an offensive coordinator whose dad is maybe drawing up the first 15 plays possibly. Um, it was sort of mysterious how their opening scripts would be amazing and then they would totally go ghost the rest of the game. Oh, yeah. um, you've had... But you, but the thing is, too, that the players are just no dummies. I mean, they they, they they know what's going on here and there has been a lot of frustration from Adam Phelan at times, from Justin Jefferson at times where Clint Kubiak has been flat out called out by these guys. I mean, Jefferson basically saying dude can we not run alexander madison at the goal line uh can we just throw me the ball but yeah you have mike zimmer at the same time and like last, crit- night, you
0: right. tweeted last night like why is just the game plan not get the ball to justin jefferson
1: right because Michigan mike zimmer wants, wants them to run like, what more. are you come on right oh. Right. It was very frustrating to watch. And then Zimmer, even today, this is a tangent, but talking about how, well, we only ran the ball 11 times, uh, dude, you're down 20 to three at halftime. So usually <laughs> you're not going to run more than 11 <laughs> times after that. But, right. uh, but I think that it's very hard though, for a first time play caller. And we saw this with De Filippo. He wasn't a first timer, but almost, and then Clint Kubiak to have the same sort of Clout with Mike Zimmer as someone like Gary Kubiak, who he could basically say, hey, if that's what Gary wants, that's what Gary gets, because the guy is a legend and is proven. There has not been that type of respect. There was not a single comment, and there were reasons to criticize Gary. There was not a single comment being critical of Gary Kubiak from Zimmer or anybody else last year. There have been dozens pointed at Clint Kubiak, and I think to your point, it's made for a very difficult situation putting someone in the deep end like this who was not ready to do it and then saying, oh, hey, by the way, all of our jobs are on the line and we have a superstar wide receiver who will definitely turn on you. I mean, and not even to mention Kirk Cousins and all the things that go along with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's already – probably the hardest offensive coordinator job in the NFL working with Mike Zimmer. So, you know, not only if, not only is it, you know, if you're you're first time it's going to be, Whoa, like, Oh my gosh, here we are. But like, yeah, I mean, that is really difficult. And I wonder um, when Scott Turner was offensive coordinator, I mean, that's another guy who was a former head coach, obviously he quit.
1: Norv you mean? Yeah. Norv Turner. Oh, sorry. Norv. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Um, can't keep all the relatives straight. But Scott
1: Turner was the quarterback coach <laughs> was with Nord, quarterback. So.
0: But when Norb was Tradition. the OC, who had been a head coach himself, almost kind of like a Gary Kubiak uh, type of figure of, of that level of, of experience. And I know he quit, he resigned midseason out of frustrations with Meg Zimmer. But did Zimmer openly criticize him as well? Or was it sort of the way he treated Gary?
1: It was publicly mostly the same way that he treated gary there were a few in between the lines things the most in between the lines thing that happened was they hired pat Shermer to be the using air quotes here tight ends coach as if you hire pat Shermer to be the tight ends coach you hire pat Shermer in case you have to fire north turner and then you can (laughs) bring in a the West Coast system, which is what Mike Zimmer really wanted for Case Keenum to run or Sam Bradford to run at that time. Um, And maybe even was thinking about it for Teddy Bridgewater. And then, uh, you know, eventually it worked out really well. And Shermer was great. But when you have when you have one person quit, then it's like, oh, man, what's wrong with Norv? What's his deal? Right. Uh, But then you have the another guy. You know, get fired. And then you have another guy who you're criticizing in public. And, you know, mixed in was Shermer, who got a head coaching job after that. That didn't go yeah. particularly well, but, you know, like it worked out for him. Yeah. Um, but but even with DiFilippo, like there's a lot to talk about even there with John DiFilippo about how they were pretty good midway through the season. And then Mike Zimmer starts criticizing John DiFilippo for you'll never guess. Not running the ball enough, and then he's that then everything sort of comes apart. And I think that what this gets to centrally with the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm I'm sure you found this in your reporting, but maybe you, you have more on it, is just the disarray of the Mike Zimmer era in the second half of it past 2017. And, uh, really that it went away because of the number of players who had been together for a long time, sort of galvanized. But after that, after it's been a lot of new faces and moving in and out, it has been chaotic, I think. And yeah. this, and, and this is part of it. And it's like, people have noticed you know, that this kind of yeah. thing, and I think it's made for a difficult environment for them to succeed in.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, um, it's interesting, um, like, I, I always think it, it, I'm assuming he's getting fired next week. Um, Same. I could, be wrong, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that that staff is getting fired. And I, I like highly doubt he will get another head coaching opportunity just because of how obvious it is that he's unable to work with offensive coordinators. Like, it's a pattern. You just mentioned all of it. So, like, it's a pattern that is established. And if, I was an owner, like, I don't want to deal with that. So I don't think, you know, Mike McCarthy gets another chance. Obviously he's not a defensive minded coach, but um, there was never, I mean, his problem was with his quarterback, but there was never like a interstaff turmoil the way that we've seen over and over again with Meg Zimmer. So I, I think it's interesting. And I think, yeah, I think it goes back to you, what you brought up earlier of like him not understanding like the public Ramifications like that people are noticing like what's going on and what's being said. And I think it's interesting, like, like here in Chicago, I kept thinking that the players were going to quit on Matt Nagy at some point because things were going so badly. But I mean, we saw this last year with him too. Like they, and I, and so now I'm so cynical, but now I actually do believe it like that they like playing for him because like, I mean, yes, they beat the giants who are, just a hot mess on Sunday. Like I was at that game on Sunday and that was like the single worst quarterbacking performance by Mike Lennon that I've ever seen in my life. It was spectacular. I literally just started, I only was taking notes on every passing attempt and how it went because it was so funny. Anyways, like they had negative 10 net passing yards and then, you know, gross passing was 24 yards. It was so bad. So, okay. Anyways, what was so I Sean
1: Mannion in comparison was great.
0: Yeah, he was great. But my point of uh, going to the Bears was that the Bears are still playing, like fighting, and like, you know, they're able to beat bad teams. And the Vikings, you know, obviously they played the Packers. That's a really, really good team. That's a team that is probably going to make the Super Bowl, I would expect, um, or I, I would predict for this season. But, and I think I'm surprised, and you probably have a better sense of this than I do because I haven't talked to any players. And, you know, obviously um adam and jj have been critical of the offense as you have you mentioned earlier but like i don't know patrick peterson was very supportive of zimmer last night i just feel like there's not and this could be a yeah okay he wasn't yeah well he was
1: he said you know he's the right man for the job but also couldn't figure out why he wasn't tracking Devonte adams throughout the game so right. it was a little bit of talking out of both sides of his mouth of like he's right, never he, gonna he didn't say do
0: until the second half right
1: yeah yeah. Yeah. Like and, he, so and he said, I don't know why I couldn't figure out why. And it's actually the second time in a post-game press conference where Patrick Peterson has openly questioned Mike Zimmer's decisions, but then he said he's the right man for the jobs so was like, mm, okay. yeah, like, but what's, what's he going to say? Yeah. They yeah. should fire him. You know, Peterson right. tries to kind of weave in between those types of things.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm surprised that like, and I haven't been following it super closely, but you'd know the answer is like, I sort of expected more of like, not a mutiny, but, like, more of a fuck this guy attitude or, you know, stuff on social media. Um, Obviously, we can't go into the locker rooms, and I think we would learn a lot more about this if we could, um, which I'll never stop talking about that because I'm just never going to get over it.
1: So frustrating.
0: Um, (laughs) Anyways, but, like, what's your sense? Like, do you feel like players are pissed at Zimmer
1: I think that they've had enough. Yeah. I mean, really, really look at the final month plus of this season. Their whole thing was our guys fight, our guys fight, our guys fight. We've played a lot of close games and our guys fight. Okay. Well you in Detroit, you got down 20 to six and then had to try to come back and then you lose the game at the end. And then Mike Zimmer uses this as like, Oh, you know, hate to see it. We lost it at the end. What a weird thing. Dude, you were down 20 to six to the worst team in football. What are we talking about here? Um, he's done this a lot. And I think that players can't stand this either. And I, and I know this from previous experiences with this similar thing where this whole deal of nothing is my fault. And, well, if my guy hadn't just blown it at the end, like, dude, you were down 20 to six. Like, you couldn't stop Jared Goff, who's 28th ranked by PFF, man. Come on. Um, and they, they went through this in 2016 where the corners literally went rogue. Like, they decided that they were going to play how they wanted to play in the game. And who knows? It's possible Patrick Peterson did the same thing yesterday. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, so this has happened. this has happened before where there's been this clash between Zimmer and the players, especially in 2016. Um, so it's not unusual. But so they lose to Detroit. They it was a one score game to San Francisco, but they got their faces mostly beat in. The yeah. 49ers missed a field goal at the end. They got a last drive. It didn't work. You know, that kind of thing. Um and then you have the Rams game where they're gifted three interceptions, they don't really put up much of a fight in that one. They get right. a last they get a last minute touchdown, that kind of thing. Oh, one score game, like yeah, not really. You were down two scores. And then they have a chance to dig their heels in and give a fight to the Green Bay Packers and their game plan is a complete disaster on offense. And I didn't even think, I know it's not I don't think it's the hot take, but I didn't even think Sean Mannion did like super bad like you're talking about with glennon oh i I think that they just didn't have justin jefferson in the game plan um and and then tell me if this tell me if this helps anything you're clint kubiak trying to do your job and you're like mike we're down by 17 points i think we're gonna have to throw the football and he's like run (laughs) what what do i do i mean what do i do no. I, I don't know. You ever try to learn something and someone's over your shoulder at your computer and you're just like, get out of here. Yeah, I, mean, I just can't imagine. So uh, I think that the last month of this had a very players want to go home feel. And I predicted the score. I think I actually almost got it right. I predicted 38 10 last week because I thought this is the one where they officially say, all yeah. right, Mike, we're done.
0: And it's going to be interesting next week's game. Cause these it's meaningless again. So, well, yesterday was not meaningless. Next week for the Vikings is meaningless um, and for the Bears. Um, I'll be interested to see – because, I mean, those are two – like I the Bears comparison that I made before where they're, like, still very much playing hard. It would be really interesting to see how the Vikings come out in that game um, and if they have the effort there or not. Um, and actually, when you were talking about uh, – it reminded me um, – so the former Vikings player I talked to, this didn't go into the story because it was, like, too – you know, Vikings tangent, but, um, I asked him like, do you notice when Zimmer throws players under the bus, like Kirk all the time? Um, the defense last year on Christmas day when the saints scored what 52 points or something. Um, and he, he specifically brought up that Christmas day game, um, this former player. And he was like, yeah, that was like, we we noticed. And that did not, you know, that pissed us off. Essentially. He was like, that pissed me off. And he's like, you know, it doesn't affect you to the point where, you know, you're going to like stop doing your job because we're professionals. Like we're we're paid to play football. Like we're going to keep playing. But he's like, we know who you are. Like, we know who you really are. So you can't, because that's, that was the game where he said, I've never had a defense this bad was his quote, I think. Yep. Yep. Or this is the worst defense I've had. Something like superlative. It was like a superlative of like this is the absolute worst defense I've had. Which I guess you could say that's on him. Like, but he didn't really take the blame. He kind of took the blame for it in like this big paragraph quote, but then he like started blaming like our guys need to play. I think was how it ended. So it was like very much on the players as to why he it was his worst defense. So I mean. They hear that. I mean, you know, players talk all the time. Oh, I don't, I don't watch the media. I don't, uh, you know, I like I'm tunnel vision. But if it's your own team, like you're hearing it, they're hearing it, and that does not have a positive impact on the locker room at all. And and this former player actually said it was kind of funny. I think he compared him to Trump, Mike oh. Zimmer. I yeah,
1: there has been that comparison made by some people. Yeah,
0: yeah, because of the narcissism specifically, he was like the narcissistic attitude of like, I'm right, I'm always right. It's never any, it's never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault. He was like, he's literally like Trump. And I was like, "Mm, okay. Strong words. So that's kind of what happens when you that's when that's your like public persona. I mean,
1: Yeah, For all of your Minnesota sports-inspired goods, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER when you go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. You can get their North State beanie, their Adam Thielen autograph shirts, Marcus Foligno fan club design for all of you hockey fans out there, and the one I always mention because it's the best one, the Randy Moss Disgusting Act. You can put that on a hoodie, shirt, or almost anything else. And plus... Anything you want with "skull" on it, Sodastick has it. Again, that's s o t a s t i c k dot com. Perfect for gifts, and you can get that shipping free by using the code Purple Insider. The headline to my article from last night, uh, while we're recording this on Monday, uh, from Sunday night's game is Zimmer's snarky press conference is a fitting end. I mean, it's. It, it's it was just like perfect for him to give up 37 points on defense and then be like, you know what, bleep, Kellen Mond. I'm just like, huh? Yeah. Like what? Like what? Clint right. Kubiak? Why didn't you run, idiot? Like, right. What? And and that that will be, I think, the, a major part of his legacy here is just being sort of petty, pointing the finger at other people uh not willing to take responsibility when his defense gives up 52 points and really the blaming started with he started blaming Rick Spielman in training camp for not having enough depth on defense which was in a way blaming Kirk for his contract and it's like oh now Mike Zimmer is not wrong but it's unnecessary right yeah. it's just like you're going and that is so much of Mike Zimmer right there it's like you're not wrong that Anthony Barr, he said this once, Anthony Barr has a tendency to coast. Like, you're not wrong that sometimes he lacks intensity, but why are you saying it?
0: Right. Um, b- like, because to Anthony Barr.
1: Right. And only Anthony Barr. And and no, look, yes. as a reporter, I am here for it. Yeah. But also, like, I recognize how much that alienates people. Now, I yeah. wanted to, to circle back, though, on your piece, because I think that there is a huge part of this that is the diversity part that the NFL is just so extremely bad when it comes to getting mm-hmm. the right people who are qualified for the jobs. You hear this all the time. I just want the right people qualified for the jobs. I'm sorry, but Clint Kubiak was not the right person or qualified for the job. The proof is in the statistics that you put up this year and the right. offense that you had that consistently no showed in a lot of key situations. Um, and, and Adam Zimmer, you could say the same thing. Uh, and I think about like what um, a lot of black coaches have had to go through to even just get opportunities and how qualified they've had to be to get opportunities and this is a blockade for them is that all the coaches who have been in football for a really long time are hiring their sons and if if they're putting them in defensive coordinator positions i mean that's a spot that gets a head coaching interview exactly. and you and andre patterson cannot get a head coaching interview as a co defensive coordinator it's it's holding him back from any, but I mean, if, if Andre Patterson was the defensive coordinator and they were top 10 defense this year and made the playoffs, which was, you know, plausible, yeah, he, he might get phone calls and he might get opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. but not as the co-defensive coordinator, almost no matter what happened. So I think that's yeah. a, that is a part that I, I appreciate that how much you dove into it in this article.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, I've heard from a lot of people today, um, who read, who read it and are like, Oh my gosh, that's really great. And then I've heard, you know, I've heard, I've a couple of people I sent it to who are working for NFL teams in some capacity um, or who, who texted me because they read it. Uh, it's interesting. Like, I think everybody agrees after they read it, like this isn't, this is a problem, but it's so human nature. Um, and there's so many different forms of nepotism that I couldn't cover all of the forms in that story because it would be impossible. So I, I decided just to focus on relatives like literal relatives by blood or marriage that's who I focused on but if you broaden it I mean every coaching staff has friends from college or friends from another team and I don't know that there's anything necessarily wrong with that either because you're going to hire people who you're familiar with and that happens all the time right like if we're looking for a new writer for our site it's probably someone's stuff that I've already read before or like that comes recommended to me from somebody else so like that part I get but I had to narrow it to just relatives because it it would have been so insane um, to cover any more than that. And I think, and so the people I heard from today, a lot of people were like, well, what's the solution? And I'm like, well, that's why I didn't have a solution in the article. I just wrote this to point it out, to say, hey, you know, no one's written this before. We should probably be paying attention to this because the NFL actually is also starting to pay attention to this. So like, this is something we should all be aware of um and so and like Troy Vincent told me oh no one has ever asked me about this like no reporter has ever come to me asking me about this and it was two years ago now that he put it in the diversity and inclusion report so that's kind of sad like that no one has asked him to go any further on this because he was like super uh passionate about it and was like taking notes during my call with him. Cause like he didn't know there were a few teams that actually do have nepotism policies. He was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Like I need to follow up with all 32 teams and like, make sure, or like find out what people are doing because most teams obviously didn't answer me or like, wouldn't tell me they're like, we can't disclose our hiring policies. Like how dare you even ask? And I'm like, okay, sorry. Like whatever. Um, so I mean, they'll probably answer him cause he works for the, the league office. So like, he'll have a much better uh, result and getting those answers than I do. So he was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to follow up on this, but there's no, I mean the, what I was trying to say here is there's no easy answer to fix it. I think what Troy wants to do. And I think is a really good, a, a really good concept, very hard to implement, but a very good concept right now. The Rooney rule just applies to um, GM openings, head coach openings and coordinator openings. And then I think some roles on like business side of teams, but I don't know which roles specifically, but Those are what it applies to, which is really good, but it needs to apply to, I think, every coaching position on an NFL team, or at least maybe not, maybe you don't say, oh, you have to hire, you have to interview two minority candidates for all these positions, but at least you need to post a job somewhere. You need to interview more than one person. Start there. Let's start there because then, then you're actually like doing what like everyone in corporate America has to do. Like, Right. Even even if I mean, like I'll say if every journalism job I've ever had. Um, well, let's see, how did I get the detector job? I saw I actually saw it posted on Twitter and then I applied, but I knew someone who used to work with them. So then I said, Hey, can you can you tell someone there that I applied and like to look out for my application? And so he did, and that obviously really helped. But like, you know, if I hadn't asked him that, would I have got the job? I'm not sure. There were a ton of applications. So I worked that for sure. But nobody tapped me for that one. But all the other jobs I've had in journalism before I had been like, someone reached out to me to say, hey, we want you to apply for this job. So then you Mm -hmm. know, oh, I have a good chance of getting this job. I was not the only person. But you still have a good you have a good idea. Oh, I'm probably gonna get this job. But all those jobs legally had to be posted somewhere, right? They had to be even if you know, the editor already knew, okay, you know, I'm interviewing these two people. It's going to be one of these two, but you still had to post it. So you still had to receive resumes and conduct a process. A lot of these assistant coaching jobs, there is no process. They just pick and head coaches can just hire whoever they want, which we can debate whether that's good or bad. I mean, most owners want their coach to be comfortable with who they're hiring. And like Hugh Jackson said in that story, like, I want, he let Greg Williams hire his son because he wanted Greg Williams to be successful. I mean, logically, that does make sense, but it's like, I think just if we just started where every assistant coaching position had to have an interview process, it's not going to fix the problem, but at least then it would feel fair.
1: Well, it worked out great for Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams. (laughs) Uh, You know, I guess what I was thinking along the way is, um, yeah, that that's absolutely true for radio, which is in my background, that even jobs where uh, I was doing something else and a place wanted to hire me that they would say, all right, well, we have to interview other people for this first before we can hire you. It's going to take a few weeks and that kind of thing. But, you know, maybe along the way you interview people and you go, Oh, wow. Like, I didn't know about you before. Yeah. And you start to make more connections and say, well, m- maybe we have this other opening or something else like that. And it just exactly. gives people more opportunities. Um, so I think that is a uh, problematic, but um, it's, it, it, I think that where this hit so central to the Vikings is just that it's, it's been uh, at the middle of discomfort, I think for people in the organization, for players, Uh, That this is kind of how they do business. And what you know is that, hey, nobody's opinion is going to matter as much as the Zimmer family uh, and that kind of thing when it comes to how you feel as a player about your situation or anything like that. And it's it's sort of been just um, maybe not the reason that it's all come apart or anything like that, but throw it in the bucket of things where you go. What was this? Why was this the way that it was uh, when the staff was not like this necessarily before? And, um, you know, I think I think it's just sort of a fascinating topic in general.
0: The last thing I'll say, which I couldn't fully report, I heard this from one agent who told me he that Mike Summer has a hard time hiring coaches because people know his reputation. I wasn't fully able to flesh that out. So I didn't I'm not confident like reporting that as fact. But I did hear that from, you know, one person. And I think it's hard to report because so many um, of that stuff is like not reported. Like, you know, we don't always hear if someone doesn't want to interview somewhere or I mean, we did we did hear that Dan Quinn didn't want to interview for the Jaguars job. Um, but but we don't always hear if, like someone's not interviewing somewhere. So and and for all those, like I said before, for all those assistant coaching positions, like if you get lower than coordinator it's not really making the news. Right. So, it's hard to it's hard to report that and see if that's real or not, but if that is true, that could be why there is so much nepotism on that staff um because it's hard for him to get other people to work there. Mm. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Mm. Well, do you think do you think maybe calling Kevin St- Stefanski disloyal for wanting an offensive coordinator job to play a role there? Um, well, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it all ties into sort of the kingdom of Zimmer and um, how many people just manipulated along the way. And that's, I guess what happens when you get to the very end, it's not, it's not like it's quite urban Meyer going down in flames, but there's no. a lot of things after being here for this long, where you see well, a lot of, pa- a lot of patterns. So um, yeah. Kaylin, your, uh, your reporting in general is always must read. Um, but uh, this, this was a spectacular article. Uh, once again, just how big a problem is nepotism and NFL coaching defector. And people should follow you on Twitter. K a L Y N that is K a L Y N K a H L E R. Kalyn Kaler. Awesome stuff. I'm glad we could do this. This is like hardcore. We got, we got into it here. Yeah. Football.
0: Football, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks.